This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. I'm sick with this, I'm sick with this. Since you wasn't that bad, large judgment. My own sweet down, did it teach what I found? I didn't recognize you for this anymore. I don't want to be defeated, I don't want to be defeated, I don't want to be defeated. Hello, my sinners. Oh, my God, you made it to another one. Episode 136. Holy crap, I cannot believe I have done this many. And this one today is long overdue. My very old friend, the crucial dude himself, Mr. Skyler Kroom of He Is Legend, is here. Well, he was here. We recorded this like a couple weeks ago, but you know, I always feel like the late night host thing, like, we got a great show. Seth Rogen is here. Uh, And by Seth Rogen, I maybe mean Howard Jones because they sound exactly the same if you listen to that episode. But hey, I digress. Great episode today for real. And I had so many questions for Skylar because that band pretty much dissolved. I don't know, 14 years ago, something like that. And here they are, as strong as ever, killing it on the festival circuits and on the radio and crowdfunding and all this crazy stuff. And it was just so nice to catch up with Skylar, one of the best in the business. Before we jump on into that, I want to thank you all so much for listening to this. Whether it's your first time aboard or whether you've listened to all 135 other shows, it's great to have you. And as always, I want to remind you, you can get in touch with me. It's very easy. I have an email address. It is leadsingersyndrome at gmail.com. We're on all the socials. You can follow me on there, including Facebook. Don't, don't sleep on Facebook. Still a thing. Believe it or not, Facebook still out there. I checked this morning, facebook.com. It pops right up with that horrible blue color. Why did they pick that color for the most iconic website maybe of all time? Horrible color. Not my favorite. But hey, regardless, we have a Facebook page. Shout out to Neil, Melissa, and Julia for running that for me. And I'm sure there's some people that aren't so happy with what I've done. I'm talking too much about myself, maybe relating things back to me, cutting off the guests when they speak. You know, these are things that I tend to do. I I like doing them. And if you are unhappy, feel free to call the hate line. 1-657-666-HATE. H-A-T-E. Call me. Leave me a message. Let me have it. Lay into me if you want. A couple weeks ago, Anthony Green, I thought it was a great episode. A lot of people agreed. But hey, I'm sure there's somebody out there that was unhappy. So let me have it. Ring me up. Talk some shit. Do what you got to do. Again, the number 1-657-666-HATE. In other news with me, I am about to head out on the Vans Warp Tour for eight shows with my band Silverstein. We are playing Toronto, Cleveland. Why did I say Toronto? It's Toronto. Everyone knows. Well, maybe not everyone knows, but if you know, you know that you don't pronounce the second T in Toronto. It's Toronto, not Toronto. Anyways, we are playing Toronto, Cleveland, Cincinnati, Detroit, Buffalo, Scranton, beautiful Scranton, Boston, and New York City. So please, tickets available now. Some of them are going to sell out for sure, so make sure you get on that. Don't sleep on those tickets. I'm very, very excited to be playing Warp Tour for the last time ever as they are canceling it after this year, which is very, very sad. Another show we're doing, um, if you're in Quebec, uh, bonjour, merci. Uh, 
I don't speak French despite being Canadian. Check out our show in Quebec City. It is for Festival Day Tay. We are playing with Avenged Sevenfold and Bullet for My Valentine. Should be rocking. Put up the devil horns. Shout out to goaltender Max Legacy. He will be there. And I am looking forward, as always, to just be in the great province of Quebec. I want to remind you of the Lead Singer Syndrome All Access Club. Basically, if this one-a-week bullshit is not enough for you, if you need more content, you want bonus episodes, you want to talk to me, you want to watch me answer questions on the computer screen, maybe play some tunes, maybe you want Lead Singer Syndrome merchandise, patches sent to your house every three months, or you want to join a great community of other like-minded people that are into the same music, the same culture, and of course, also big fans of the show, Check it out for as little as $6 a month. It gets you in. It really is a good time. And also, we're working on that being ad-free. That's going to launch pretty soon as well. So many perks there. Also, it really just helps me out. It helps me keep this show going. Believe me, without the All Access Club, no way in hell I would be at episode 136. I would have given up years ago. So here we are. Thank you so much to all the sinners in the All Access Club. You know who you are. I know who you are. And thank you from the bottom of my Canadian heart, English Canadian heart. Shout out to Tommy Vexed for being on the podcast last week. Great episode. Go back and check it out if you missed it. Yes, he might have dropped an N-bomb. It was bound to happen sooner or later. I'm just glad it was an African-American. And once you listen to that one, go back, because we have like 133 more of them. So anyways, hey, let's jump in to this week's episode and my conversation with the crucial dude, Skyla Croom, of He Is Legend. Don't you think it's Skyler. Hey, Shane. Dude, it's been a long time. It's been a very long time. <laughs> How, How are, are things, man? Things are great. Things it, are really good. Is that a baby crying in the background? That was a, a kitten. Oh, okay. I was going to say. That was a cat. Damn, you've been busy. No, a cat is a little more easy to uh, you know deal with than a baby, usually. Yeah, she's just a beast, and she needs a lot of attention. Kind of, kind of like most babies, I would imagine. I, I don't have any babies. I wouldn't know. Yeah, I wouldn't know either, but I've seen a few in my in my day. <laughs> Absolutely, man. So, uh, what's up, man? What's new? You just hanging around? Yeah, we're, uh, you know, we're, we're kind of off the road right now, waiting for the end of summer stuff to come around, whatever that may be. Uh, nothing's like... We've... Confirmed some stuff, but we haven't announced it, so I'm not, you know, dropping whatever yet. But no, don't don't give me the exclusive, okay? Don't spill the beans. No, there's no, well, no, there's, no. you know, our our whole spoiler alert situation is is like up in arms now. So, <laughs> what do you mean? 
I, we just, I just don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to be the guy to, to let any cats out of any bags, you know, so. No, um, I, I'm, I, I get it. I've, I, the, the amount of people that have called me back after I've done these things and been like, hey, um, I wasn't allowed to announce that. Can you go back and edit that out? I'm sure. All I'm the sure. time. It have, and I never, I never mind. Um, yeah. You know. Yeah, I mean, they're... I'm sure that's the, the thing. That's why, you know, I mean, I can say that we have cool things coming up, Good. but I can't say what they are yet but cool things are coming cool things that, are coming. you know cool, cool things, things are, are always right well dude it's really good to have you man um uh you know we go way back we go way back like i'm talking like so far 12, back. 15 years something like that yeah uh, which is which is really crazy to think about but what's crazy you know uh, thinking about you guys is i always was a fan of your band and a fan of you as a front man and um maybe not your guitar player because he always kind of scared me uh, right, a little bit. The boy. <laughs> yes, scary, scary man. But that's okay. Yeah, he's a teddy bear. You just gotta <laughs> give him a big hug. Uh, but but it was crazy because you know all of a sudden it was like, all right, th- this band's done. Like, and I'm talking about done after that under oath tour we did together in Canada yeah. back in 2004. I think it was 2004, yeah, those- maybe 2005. Um. And it was like, okay, well, that sucks. Like, this band's breaking up. And then, you know, you do the thing where you come back, and and I've seen it a thousand times, and so have you. Band comes back, they put it together, kind of a record that, whatever. They do right. a couple reunion shows. Uh, they, you know, kind of maybe get some festival money. Yeah, cash in. anniversary shows yeah. and whatnot. Yeah. Then they fuck off again. And sure. what's so inspiring about you guys, it's like, no, 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 you're back, and you're bigger and better than ever. Oh, thank you, man. I mean, coming from you, that means that means a ton. We, You know, as you remember, that I mean, the day will be infamous for us because, you know, we lost a very dear friend that Adam and I, I actually, he introduced the two of us. Yeah. Um, and, and I remember that, you know, I've since played that, place in uh in canada and i'm i'm drawing a total blank on where it was is it now, winnipeg I mean, you know uh it might have been winnipeg we were in a back alley yeah winnipeg at the garrick yeah 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 so um and and i just remember that being like one of the most visceral experiences of my life um as you know like adam flew home that night and uh we we like drove in um I don't know. It was just a very strange time. And then, and then after that, you know, we, we kind of took that, you know, I don't want to, I don't necessarily want to blame anyone for what happened to the band at that point in time, but we just needed a moment. And it seemed to us that we were kind of like blackballed for dropping off of a tour. So, I mean, but it was also very discouraging and we were, you know, smoking a lot of weed back then, not that we haven't quit (laughs) that, but you know, the paranoia of what happens in the music scene. I mean, the, the bands are always going to be the least respected to some extent, you know? So we were just kind of paranoid. And then, and then the state of the music back then was, it was just in a place, you know, I don't know. We, we just felt like out of place and that we were, we weren't very happy with the way the scene was going in general, being typecast to some extent. And we needed the, we needed that hiatus. I think we all learned about each other and learned about what we really wanted as a, as a group. And none of us really stopped seeing each other. I mean, like Matt had a, had a band of his own. We all got jobs and whatever. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was a very, it was a very, um, a very dark 
time, but also, you know, I got my feet wet in the film industry and yeah, a lot of crazy things happened over that period of time that helped us to really kind of, uh, pinpoint what it hates you was all about and then mm-hmm. move forward with that. And then, yeah, it was after that, you know, without, with minor hiccups, we, we basically haven't stopped. No. You know, no, and it's, I mean, it's, I mean, after it hates you, it hates you when the when the hiatus kind of like came, but I think it all came because that album needed to marinate on people for a while. And I mean, kids still like you know the kids who aren't screaming "I am Hollywood" are are the <laughs> kids that are like like it hates you's your best work. It's your color and the shape. I'm like, thank you. <laughs> okay, yeah, but, no, yeah. it's it's just it, the timing and everything was so crazy because you know they mentioned you mentioned the paranoia. I got to remember just at that point being like, what do you mean they're going home? What do you mean they're not like going to be a band anymore? What do you, you know, what do you mean this, like all this stuff? Like I, I was like, they're at the, their peak right now. Yeah. Like, everyone's like finding out about this band. You know, you, when you did that tour, you were opening up for us and, and it's like, everyone knows about this band and this is like, everything's being built up. And then it's like right at the, the very peak when it was all about to happen, you're like, yeah. man. And I, and it's it was just for me, from from my perspective, it was really a shame. Um but I, I can agree with that. Yeah. I mean, I, I think our headspace at the time though, you know, you have these blinders on and then when there's like when tragedy strikes, it's yeah. just you know, it's an it's a I, I knew that going home was like gonna be it's it was gonna kind of taint us, but it was also like we lost a dear friend and like we needed that moment. And I don't mm-hmm. think ever at that point where we, it wasn't at that moment that we said we can't do this anymore. I mean, we obviously had had a, had a bit of a, a you know, we had to back up and regroup, which right. meant us dropping off of that tour with you guys, which was like probably the biggest tour we had ever done. Um, but we also, you know, we had, we, we rode really hard for a while just, tour after tour after tour so i think being burnt out and then the sure. midst of that it was like oh shit what just happened um yeah but i mean i wouldn't take it back at all i mean the 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 craziest thing is that like what we learned from that is is who we were as people and where we belong in in music and i think the the train that we've been on since then and since this like very this juxtaposition now is it's 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 made us it's given us a, a footprint, you know, like a mm-hmm. definitive sound um, that we all can agree upon. So, well, I don't know. I, you, it you was guys, definitely a crazy time. Well, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and it's, you know, the whole idea of, of gauging your success, um, it's still like always difficult to, to know kind of where you're at. Um, but back then, you know, it, it's really harder because now everybody has their fucking stats. You know, you got your, this is how many Facebook likes you have and this is how many you know, I post an Instagram and this is the reach or, or how many people listen to my song on Spotify or all this stuff back then, like other than record sales, which never really meant anything anyways, all you yeah. could do is like, are the kids singing the songs? Like, are there people yeah. here? Isn't, that, isn't that so interesting, man? Like, yeah, don't you think it's like really put a, put a darkness over what the music scene even is now. Like it, it Day by day, it seems to get darker as much as like how we're a slave to this algorithm. Whereas <laughs> it was like, you know, I, I, me, I remember me and Adam just like going into the UNCW library to, to 
photocopy old medical journal journals for flyers, you know, and like right. just stuff like trying to get that's one thing that we did with this with few when we when we crowdfunded was yeah. to try to make it important for to have a street team, have fans that want to be supportive like the way we used to when we were growing up. Because yeah, Facebook and all the things that you have to do as a promoter these days, it's it's amazingly simple. I mean, at least from a computer illiterate standpoint, it seems yeah. like going on and just being like, okay, I created a group and here you share it on your side. You know, it just seems like there's less work for, for what is required now. Right. Right. And I, I'm just not a fan of any of that stuff at all. I, you know, I guess I'm just old, but I, I still like the idea of, of whatever, of, you know, on the ground promotion, like, Hey, I'm in this band, you know, come yeah. to this show, you yeah, know, walk like, mall, you know? <laughs> uh, whatever though. Um, but no, it's changed. It's really has, it has changed so much. And, and slave to the algorithm is like a great quote. I love that. And it's just so damn true. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, it's, but it's also nice to see, like I see you guys like out there still doing it. And, and even and from all, all walks of life, like, you know, back in back, you know, uh, Josh Moore from Beloved is is yeah. one of my dearest friends, and and I saw him the other the other day in Carborough. It's just like these people still have these beautiful lives, like with beautiful music. They're still they're still like hoofing it, and it's just a, it's amazing, man. I it's and crazy now that we're in our you know we're getting up there in age. What's Josh from the, Beloved I, doing now? I love that guy. What a great guy. He put out an album. Uh, couple years back and i'm sure he's working on new music i I went to a cd release party and he you know he sold out the cat's cradle in north carolina and carborough so it's beautiful you know and and my buddy ryan from box bomb is he's he's just got his his project the dead tongues he's like out with a big folk band right now overseas and uh jared from classic case is yeah you know he's out doing must be the holy ghost which is like super trippy um you know, liquid light projection show. And it's just like kind of a one man band thing. And, um, but a two man operation with the light show. It's it, but it, it's beautiful. It, just to see these things happening still yeah. to this. It's, it's great. funny. It's funny. You know, I think it's weird how, you know, I, I'm 37. I think you're around my age. I assume you're about my I'm age. Th- 35. Yeah. 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 And, and it's funny how, how, and, and these people we're talking about are all kind of in our same generation. It's funny how we, we get our feet wet really early on, you know, in our like late teens, early twenties. And to be, to, I mean, at least for my case, I can't speak for everyone, but you know, we don't know what the fuck we're doing and we have the success no. and we feel this sort of passion about something, but then whatever it is, if it's success or if it's pressure of seeing your friends uh, grow up and, and have real lives and get real jobs and ha- start having kids, I feel like there's a pressure there that it's like, am I still doing this bullshit that I did when I was in my early twenties and my teens? Like, and then once you get over that or you live a little bit of that adult life, then you realize, Hey, this shit's actually important to me. I want to do this this again. I I, I want, I I'm passionate about this. Right. Right. And then, you know, I've always made the joke of like, you know, you're putting down your guitar to, to like flip a burger, you know, which is, which it, at the end of the day, it seems like, you know, I'm just, I, what I mean by that is that nothing can compare to this thing that you've given, especially if you have that, if you have talent, you know what I, mean? yeah. I mean? Without mentioning any names, look at all the people that are still doing it that like 
you can't stand their music. I mean, not to not to bring negativity <laughs> into it at all, but yeah, yeah. you see certain things that, like people who are still going and they have this, you know, this quality where there's there's stardom and there's you know there's immense talent, and to watch that be squandered. I mean, again, I can go back to some of my favorite bands that haven't. You know, like I mean, obviously, Mutoid Man's amazing. Caven was my yeah. favorite band. You know, that was like one of those bands that we just could not stop playing cave in on the road forever. I mean, it still pops up. Um, I code love seven, same with code. Oh, seven. I love code seven. I haven't thought about that band in forever. Oh man. What I an mean, underrated band. People need to check out that band. Wow. Yeah, so ahead of their time. Yeah. All their albums should really be like studied by these young kids that are coming up. I mean, I, I and I hope that there's, there's even in that, if this podcast does one thing, it's like, you know, there's bands out there that, that paved the way for you and you might not even know it, you know? Yeah. Absolutely. Um, which, you know, it's, it's, it's great that that's a finite thing, you know, um, that we can go back and, and continue to study. No, totally, man. So, um, you know, I always felt like your band was, and you even already mentioned it. You felt a little bit like outcasts. You never really felt like you fit into the whole scene thing. Um, being a non-Christian band on Tooth and Nail Records probably didn't help. Not at all. Uh, you know, a bunch of those things were definitely pushing and pulling you guys in different ways. Um, before we talk about that, I want to talk about your influences growing up. I know you, you know, you played drums at an early age in a family band. I read yeah. that read that somewhere. Um, and you know, you're into a lot of different, you know, rock and roll. Uh, stuff. So, talk to me a little bit about about that and how that all led to you being a misfit in in the scene. Um. Well, so I, I we all we all grew up playing. Adam Adam's been playing guitar since forever. Um, with our friend that that passed when we were on that tour with you, he was in a band with them in high school. Um, then Matt and Adam and Steve all started in high school playing. And so I w- I went to a different high school. I grew up playing drums. It was in marching band. I was in jazz band. Um, and I played in a Southern gospel band with my, with my mother and my stepfather. Um, so that was basically my intro into music was just doing all these things, like really focusing on the drums. Like that was my biggest thing. I played, you know, yeah. in, in a garage band with, with friends and whatnot. And then moved on to like doing, playing at church and stuff like that until, you know, I started to step out of, of that realm and into more like, you know, getting into all the different kinds of heavy metal and whatnot. And, but also still being, you know, a drummer at heart, like listening to Dave Matthews because Carter Beaufort was insanely, you know, whatever. It'd be like something that I was into. I don't know. My, my musical influence has changed so much. I mean, now yeah. I, I, I like, um, Everything from, you know, the albums I'm looking at right now is a, a Burzum album and a Gillian Welsh album and a, and a Daft Punk album, like, right, <laughs> like three in a row. But I mean, those are, those are some, those are some of my favorite things. You know, I love, I love electronic music. I love, I love hip hop a lot, like the shittier, the better right. in my, you know, but we all kind of have those, those influences. I mean, I, 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 I think they kind of came and, came along obviously nirvana and and like white zombie and pantera are the bands that we right we found our 
sound and that influence. You know, those are the bands that we wanted to uh, not maybe emulate is not the right word, but you know, wearing that on our sleeve was like our biggest components. Absolutely. Um, wow, Burzum. <laughs> Don't go killing anybody, okay? No, I try not to. <laughs> oh, my I've got goodness. I've got some willpower these days. <laughs> wow. Uh, no, that's that's cool, man. Um, so that all ties into you know this. He is legend in this band, and you know, obviously, there's an element of you know punk rock and like underground music because a lot of the stuff you know you've you're talking about are are kind of like stuff that you hear you see in the mainstream whether it's radio or whether it's you know on tv or whatever but you must have gotten into punk rock somehow that led you into this band and into a hardcore scene and and on on to the nail records i um well we grew up you know our manager was the same guy that managed ted poetic nate mallon oh yeah back in the day and uh and so it was just, you know, we were playing with Dead Poetic. We loved them so much. And we were playing with, you know, Norma Jean and Beloved and all these bands. Ludacris back then it was. Yeah, you know? yeah, I remember. And it was just like we're playing with these people. Obviously, Stretch Armstrong was like not far away from us. So we kind of we were like, well, Stretch Armstrong's on that label and they're not necessarily a Christian band. Like we could do, we could, this is fine. Um, and, it, and it made sense because those were the bands that we wanted to tour with. You know, like we see like Dead Poetic, Beloved and ludicrous signed a tooth and nail and they they're on the road and they're happy so you know when you're 20 something and want to get on the road because you know back then it was like you can't get on the road unless you have label representation so we just did it you know and for the longest time i mean it was great i would i couldn't take those years back but we were definitely put in positions where we would make some people mad because we weren't exactly a christian man not really trying to you know, burn bridges, but we just acted like a cock rock band. That's what we've always, <laughs> what we've always essentially been, you know, just whatever. Yeah. You know? uh, but it's, it's an interesting thing that happened. I mean, that's, that story alone was, has been told time and time again. It about, has, yeah, it has. It's, it's an interesting story though. And it's still, still one that I think people you know, are curious about. I mean, there was no conversation when you signed the contract. Like, there's no stipulation in the contract that says, uh, you know, you must believe in in God yeah. and you must be able to recite these passages. Like, I don't think that's in a re- any recording contract. Yeah, uh, and you know, I mean, but maybe the, half a, the thing was. Go ahead. Well, there was there a conversation at all about that when you signed? No, I mean, and I I even remember asking questions like, you know, this is just like, you know, we are moral dudes. We're not, you know, we're not scumbags. So, so, uh, and I think that that was really the the case. Um, But, you know, once, once we were in it and we were playing all these shows with these people that are like, you know, bumping the Bible and I, and then it got more and more uncomfortable for us because we didn't want to lie, you know, like the last thing we wanted to do was be, uh, like untrue to our fans so of course we would you know if there's a bar at the venue then we're gonna drink you know like and and we yeah we smoke cigarettes so i'm gonna smoke with the fans and not like in a corner hiding and right when we were young you know it was all about being out there in the crowd and like hanging out with the kids and we you know we still pride ourselves on just being normal dudes and always kind of just being available and yeah um uh, that was important to us because you know we would we would play with some bands that were really uh, um 
you know, hiding the, the fact that they do the same things as everyone else, you know? And I, I just didn't, it, it, it struck me as odd, but I mean, I get it. If that's your, your message or, you know, you're, you're catering to a certain group, but yeah, I mean, it definitely wasn't ideal. It wasn't an ideal match, but I think at the time it was really just, who cares? We want to put a record out. Let's just do it. Yeah. You know, they're going to help us. So. Absolutely. And, and, and put out a record you did. Uh, I am Hollywood is a record that still is uh, celebrated and loved by your fans, um, despite it, it being a lot different than your new stuff. But I do kind of have a lot of respect that you still play, you know, material from from that era. Oh yeah, I mean it's it's the most fun, you know, because people really want that, and I think because we had such a sordid um, history of of being a bit more like erratic as a band and, and you know, as we would, we would uh, maybe not show up to a show. You know I mean? We were young, right. young punks and, and uh, yeah, I mean those days, obviously we were, we were a lot more immature and, and this, this thing we were doing was, you know, built in rock and roll because that's kind of an attitude. Um, but now it's now it's different because everybody we've we're older now more, more mature and our fans are also you know they grew up with us so yeah. they can appreciate all the things and maybe the few kids that don't know much about us when they hear the seduction live you know it uh it, it really strikes a chord with us and them to see people like still singing along to those songs and really amps to hear it and surprise that that you know we might end a show with I am Hollywood or you know something even you know, throw a slow tune in there off of, off of, uh, suck out the poison or something. Yeah. It's cool. I mean, and everybody knows that's the format. Like, you know, you gotta, you gotta play the moneymaker, I guess is what people would say. But I, I've, I've come to not necessarily enjoy it, but I understand why it's a necessary evil. And I think we all kind of, yeah, I mean, you know, I see it it. on stage when you do it, when that song comes on, like, I am I'm so pumped that it's on because everyone in the crowd is pumped that it's on. So I mean, it's not that I'm ever like this sucks because in the moment it's amazing. But, yeah, you know, thinking about it is not right. Right. Yeah. No that that makes total that makes total sense. I mean, I think I think what we're on right now is a, is a just a path of like nostalgia because of it's changed so much, you know. Um, and now that we that we've been playing these big like Danny Wimmer shows, yeah, it's just been a it's a different kind of feeling because you feel young again because you're, you know, playing at one in the afternoon and you're, you know, you're rocking with all of your friends and some of the, some of some bands that you like grew up worshiping last week in, or last month in Carolina, we played with Alice in Chains and Stone Temple Pilots. It's like, what is happening? You know, <laughs> right. Like, where am I? Right. And yeah, that's kind of, it's kind of crazy. Those bands are still bands, right? With, uh, yeah, with, very cool. with no lead singers, but you know, Hey, whatever. Exactly. That's for another conversation. Definitely. <laughs> I just got sent awesome new wireless earbuds from Raycon. I opened the box, opened up my phone and literally in less than a minute, I was jamming out to my favorite tunes. What struck me right away was how well these fit. And then how amazing they sound. Definitely more bass than my other wireless headphones. But the biggest game changer is the price. 
The E25 earbuds they sent me start at half the price of other premium wireless earbuds on the market, have six hours of playtime, and really are super comfortable, whether it's music, conference calls, or binging this podcast. And there's no dangling wires or stems to distract other people if you're on a video call. The company was co-founded by Ray J and celebrities like Snoop Dogg, Mike Tyson, and Melissa Etheridge are just a few people obsessed with Raycons. Whether you're working from home or working on your fitness, you want what you're listening to to be what you're listening to, not the other distractions from the room. Everyone needs a great pair of wireless earbuds, but before you drop hundreds of dollars on a pair, check out wireless earbuds from Raycon. Now's the time to get the latest and greatest from Raycon. Get 15% off your order at buyraycon.com slash LSS. That's B-U-Y-R-A-Y-C-O-N dot com slash LSS for 15% off Raycon wireless earbuds. Buyraycon.com slash LSS. If you're in tech, you've been there before. Feeling the pain of hiring a freelancer or new employee for designer development only to find out months later that it's not a fit. And those types of mistakes aren't cheap. Instead, Mutual Mobile, a digital technology consultancy, uses the process it's developed over the past 10 years, delivering over 600 client projects to ensure your fast and beautiful mobile or web app is finished on time and within budget. Mutual Mobile has built apps for numerous companies that have been acquired, such as Eero, acquired by Amazon, FlexDrive, acquired by Lyft, and MapMyFitness, acquired by Under Armour. You get a dedicated team to help you with your tech project from start to finish, from ideation to product shipment to maintenance and everywhere in between. Mutual Mobile designs and builds beautiful mobile and web apps that increase the value of your business. If you have design or development needs, schedule a free 30-minute consultation at mutualmobile.link slash LSS to get started. That's M-U-T-U-A-L-M-O-B-I-L-E dot L-I-N-K slash L-S-S to get started with your free consultation today. Um, yeah, the whole, you know, your resurgence and, you know, being on Spine Farm Records, which is a label known for radio play, uh, yeah. doing these Danny Wimmer festivals, which is completely different than your old, you know, uh, I don't know, I almost want to say like your old life. It's like there's, there's, you know, there's the the version one of He Is Legend with the first, you know, two records, and now there's the new version. And, yeah. you know, you make those things coincide. Um, you know, you play old stuff like I was talking about, but in a way, those people coming to see you at the Danny Wimmer festivals, do they know about the old He Is Legend? Do they care? Do they just want to hear the new record? Do they just want to hear the jams that are you know being played on the radio? Like what's I think what's the vibe I there? I think that there's a the vibe is always, um, you know, you can tell when when you're when you have captivated a crowd. I think at least I think. I mean, if you're a performer and this is your life, you figured that part out. Um. And I think for us, be you know, we've always been kind of no frills, no no like pyro or or scrims or anything. You know, it's right. just like it's like you know maybe a backdrop and the riffs. Um, <laughs> so I I think that people respect that kind of grassroots rock and roll, heavy metal, 
vibe that totally. we're, we can offer. Um, and I and I also think that the crowds, the fans are more excited that we're giving we're giving up old stuff. So they're they're kind of in in their minds they're they're running the show you know like they're in the pit they're the ones singing along they're having a blast and so for us to feed off that energy i think would any of the people who have not heard of us before are going to possibly look into our back catalog or at least know that that like oh they this is a legit thing it's not just like i'd rather have those fans in there that are stoked about everything else to to show people that oh yeah this is this is old you know or this is like band i heard on the radio which i always liked when i was young you know you see like i remember like watching chevelle open up for <laughs> power man by a thousand and like and just being like oh man this band's sick but i noticed people in the crowd like knew the songs i was like oh oh i'm missing out on something you know? right right so mm-hmm. that's what I, that's what i hope that those women fest do obviously they're they're that's a different animal and I would, I would probably prefer a club show any day of the week, but it's a necessary thing to go yeah. out there and, and just, you know, be the young band again, rock out, show people what you got. And, no, it's, and, it's great. Know, it's great. I wonder if the people coming out to these shows though, if the music has any relevance from 2004 to today, you know, like sure. Everyone's the old fans yeah. are there rocking out, but somebody just walks in and goes, wait, this is different. Like, what's going on this isn't the same as as you know the the songs from from few you know so um i i think we do a good like you know when we go in to choose a set list i think we try to cater to the crowds that we're that we're playing in front of you know and so the preparation part is we're 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 writing that set for our fans in general, but we also are keeping in the back of our mind that like a lot of people probably haven't heard that. So, you know, if we go out with seven dust, Hmm. um, we we did that tour with them. We, you know, we play like all the drop tune heavy stuff because like, that's the, what their fans are going to, you know, our fans aren't coming to that show. I mean, maybe, maybe our diet, our most diehard fans, but you know, to see us play 30 minutes for, you know, at a club show for $35 or whatever. It's like, I don't think a lot of our fans are going to be like, ah, I'll catch them next time. But right, um, right. the ones who do come, I think they're still pre- pleasantly surprised. And then we're, you know, playing these radio bangers or whatever. Sure. But I, I, I actually can't answer that. I don't know that answer to that question. Because I would hope, I would like to think that all of our songs translate even to the, you know, the 45 and up crowd that's coming because Billy Idol's playing. Like <laughs> I would hope that they stumbled upon it and saw what was going on. They'd be like, Oh yeah. I mean, our tunes have a throwback vibe that I think could capture a lot of audiences. Maybe not every band's fan base on the bill, but no, no, just, yeah. just something I, I wanted to ask you about. Um, so very interesting um, development is with you guys crowdfunding your last album last year, raising yeah. over $70,000 uh, to make the record. What I don't understand is how now you're hooked up with a pretty big label within Spine Farm. So how, how did yep. that happen? Did you guys raise all this money and then all of a sudden the music industry's like, oh shit, people care about this band. Let's sign them. Is that the way well, that, that, that worked out? That was essentially, that was what we thought was going to happen. Um, and we were weighing our options because, you know, our, our tooth and nail contract was up and and we essentially had to 
kind of figure out what we wanted to do. I mean, did we want to do a record for X amount of dollars? That was, you know, uh, our main concern was that we didn't want to go backwards in recording, meaning it, it needed to be at least as long as we needed for the process. And also, you know, uh, the we basically just took the budget from Heavy Fruit and worked our way backwards as to like, what do we need for this? What do we need for this? Okay, right. then we sure. got to sure. so so we just we budgeted it out and and the way that we decided we could do it. And obviously, crowdfunding was an interesting, um, crazy learning experience. And um, when we got down to all of the uh, all of, you know, after the, the, all the tracks were laid down and, and everything sounded good and we started mixing and mastering, um, we were wondering if like wh- how we were going to handle the one thing that we didn't really budget for was like a marketing and right. distrib- distribution thing. Cause we were just going to send the records out of our house, but then they, but then there wouldn't really be in record stores and, that was something that we were like concerned about because obviously we really needed, I mean, that's, that's key. And also like not having it shown anywhere. I mean, not having a marketing team, we really were just the band members working on this and the people that we kind of hired along the way. Um, so we reached out to a friend of ours who we've been friends with Darren, our, our, and our guy now at spine farm. And he's just, you know, kind of been a friend give us advice along the way for a long time. And he brought up the fact that he was like, you know, well, we could, we could do this and this. And then like, let's just, why don't you just license it to us so we can take that part away that, you know, marketing and, um, the distribution thing. So we could have a worldwide release. Cool. Um, yeah. So it ended up being something that we were like, you know, this makes sense. And it takes a lot of this, stress off our plates because after doing all the perks and like having that goes so crazy i mean like everything went out but you know some things were lost in customs some things were more expensive than we thought it's just a a learning right having to deal with customer service of of fans that are like well i supported you guys like months ago and i don't have my fucking record and you're like right exactly like i'm just the singer man but you can't you can't play you can't play the I'm just a singer card anymore when you, it's actually, you know, you're organizing it. Yeah, exactly. So it's, it's yeah, that's definitely, it could be stressful and, and sort of, I don't know, just not something you want to deal with. Yeah, and then, you know, you've got the all the little tiny things like, oh, maybe this one run was wrong or what, somebody moved and their address keeps coming back and you can't, you know, just little yeah. things that normally would be left up to a team. Um but honestly, I think when we decided to sign with Spine Farm, it was it was out of just like, OK, these people want to help, which is the I think that's the first time that we felt like, oh, they but they want and obviously they just like anyone else, they want to help because, you know, they'll reap some benefits off of it. But it seemed genuine and we were happy to to have some relief in that. And also it was time to start worrying about getting on tour, rehearsing, to, you know, getting tour merch and all the things that popped up right after that it was just, you know, it was a, it was a, it was a long process. And, uh, I, I think that if a band has a fan base already and they, and they're exploring that Avenue, I think it's a great, a great tool, especially to kind of prove your worth and, and get out there and, and get your hands dirty in it. 
Um, that being said, I don't know if I would do it again. <laughs> right, um, I, that was my next question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think it, I don't think it's uh, something I would want to do for every every album. But this one, it was just important, you know, like going from Tooth and Nail to Tragic Hero, um, releasing records, and finally being a at a place where you could be a free agent and really just work hard for yourself. It was it was something we really needed to do to prove mainly. To- but it gave us more of a grassroots, um, I would say, street team or, you know, a connection with our fans that we've never had before. Totally. totally. it kind of I mean, lifted the veil of, what we, of we, what, the way we used to be, you know, and in this ambiguity of the band. Totally. Well, I, I think, yeah, I think it's good to do that at that, your point. Uh, you know, at that point you were in your career, you kind of, you know, see where you're at, where you stand with your fans, with the industry and everything. And I'm sure you guys were pleasantly surprised that Definitely. that you were like, "Holy shit! All these people want to support us," and a label that's uh, you know not just Jimmy's records down the street. You know, uh, uh, this is a real label wants to help you. It, it, that's an yeah. amazing, amazing feeling um, that must have given you a bit of a spring in your step now, moving forward. And you're on these Danny Wimmer festivals, and you're like, "Yeah, we fucking belong here." You know, it feels like that. I mean, it feels like big stages and stuff. I mean, it was just like the next step in the progression. But and it's also another thing, you know, prove prove that you still got it and you're still rockers, you know, and that's kind of like, yeah, they're still they're still rockers. They're still rocking. So I mean, we are obviously very humbled by what happened. We chose to to do an all or nothing option with Indiegogo where if we didn't meet our mark, we got no money. So, Oh man. Yeah. And, and, and I, yeah. It, I don't know much about crowdfunding. That's really, that's even scarier. Cause it's like, it was if terrifying. you, well, dude, if, cause you got to think about it. If you don't get there, what do you, is that like the end of the band? Like, is that almost like a breakup? I think that's where, I think that's where we were at, you know, right. because, because to us it was like, we believe wholeheartedly that our fans want to hear another album. I mean, heavy fruit had on, hadn't been out too long. And it was, you know, it was like one of those things where, well, if we want to do it, we need to strike while the iron's hot. And we're like at the end of this album cycle. And we're also at the end of this label. And it didn't seem like negotiations were going to do what we wanted. Um, and it was like, man, can, should we just try to do this for ourselves? So I mean, and and I was the last one to really jump on board with crowdfunding because I was super nervous about mm-hmm. h- how it looked, you know. And I know a lot of like, especially like you know, bands in the hardcore scene are like These fucking pussies, like you know, they need their stipend or whatever, you know, like. But we essentially just had to break everything down to where, like, how could we live and continue to have our our you know our houses and our you know like pay our bills essentially and make this record work and yeah here here's how you know here's how much it's going to be but but it but for us it was like okay well we'll prove this on our own if if we can make this work and we can hit this mark then yes it's worth it but if we don't hit this mark then we should make a record but it maybe it shouldn't be the top priority of the band and it should you know it should be something that we just do on our own right cheaply you know however um well it's it's worked out nicely and and uh you know you've it's a far cry from where you were back in 2004 being scared kids paranoid 
you know, not feeling like you belonged. And now it's like, you know what, we're, we're here and we're here to stay. Um, yeah. which is, which is great to see. And I think you're right about maybe you can do a crowd crowdfunded record like once, but if you do every record as a crowdfunded record, I think that's like, I don't know. It's kind of weird. It's like, if you have success, then you know what I mean? It's like, you kind of yeah, have to prove exactly. that you have success to, and then that's what, what you do to prove it. Once you have it again, I don't know. I, I, maybe I'm way off base, but no. I think you're. I think you're absolutely right. I think the main the main thing that we used that for was that we wanted to corral the fan base into one general spot. You know, yeah. so knowing that we we pushed this on our social medias or whatever, but but everybody had to visit this this place where we were releasing information about what was going on and uh, um, kind of explaining in a way. Um, I mean, just to unpack all that, it was, it was literally for us to, to communicate with our fans. Whereas before it had always kind of come from a label standpoint where they would be the ones dropping the news and they would be, you know, which is somewhat unnecessary now. Um, yeah. And I, and I think that like, you know, the, the only thing that we really can gain as a positive to social media and things like that is that you are, a direct line to your fan base and you, you can choose how open you'd like to be in that. Um, we, we chose to go the route where we could engage and learn from our fans and take input. And I think that was really the, the most beautiful part about it because now these kids that come out, you know, the people on the street team have got like back patches. So it's like, we have a crew that will show their love and, and support. And we'll always be there and we'll, you know, we'll always recognize them. And it's just been a really, I, I think a positive thing. The only downside to crowdfunding was that we weren't the greatest at, you know, being businessmen because all we want to do is play rock and roll, you know? Of so, course, of course. So having to do all the things ourselves or like, you know, outsource to get things done, it just felt, it just felt like something we didn't really want to have to do. Right. It's more of a chore. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. exactly. I, I totally, but, I totally get it. Yeah. Uh, well, but it was I, great. I mean, I, 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 I love it though. I, and I really do think that young bands um, should should think about that option if they are playing shows and rolling around. Like, I mean, that that might be the way to go rather than to, you know, romanticize what a record label could be. As you and I know, it's like you know, sometimes they're good. Sometimes they're bad. I mean, it's a, a getting and writing situation. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely, man. Um, so I don't want to take up too much of your time. I appreciate you you doing this today. But I, yeah, I, I have a few you. things I still have to talk to you about. I mean, one thing is just your voice. Um, you know, being a guy that pretty early on cemented himself as one of the best singers and screamers, you know, doing both. Because um, that was at a time, you know, I was doing it. A few other people were, but not everybody was. And and now just you know how you've you've come into your own with your voice both both singing you know melodically and and heavy, um, yeah. And also just lyrically, um, I think you've really been in your own league, um, in terms of the way you write lyrics and and um, I almost feel like maybe I'm way off base here, but I feel like you sometimes take on a character in your lyrics like the with the with the what you're saying and the attitude and i almost yeah. feel like you're giving me a performance like out of a film like you're an actor which is very unique for a rock and roll singer 
I know I've, I'm going way all over the place with this question, but uh, this, no, these no. are just these are just all the things that I like, that I take when I think of Skylar from He Is Legend. I think of these things of of a talent and a, 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 um, a versatility, and also just this this like you're almost like an actor, but you're a singer. I think that. First of all, that's very flattering, um, and I and I really do appreciate that coming from you. That means a, that means a terrible lot, you know. I I I, uh, I have always loved film more, you know, more than most things. Um, and through working in film as a as a prop master or you know like um, a decorator or whatever you get to read scripts and really it being on a, on the set of a film changes the way that you view that art form, that medium as well as your own, you I'm know, sure all entertainment, of course. Yeah. Yeah, it does. And I mean, it's, it's, it's a crazy thing to watch, you know, how they film like random scene. I, I always loved in, in that, um, I would get being a prop master, especially I would get, I would get to do breakdowns of these scripts. So, you know, I'm like, I'm imagining these things as I'm, as I'm reading these scripts and I'm, and I get these ideas for stories through that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I've, I've got screenplays and whatnot that I've, I've been working on for ages, just on the road with like ideas in my head and translating that into music a bit is one of my favorite things to do is to, is to play a character of of just whatever interesting story. I mean, granted, I think all of it is about good music's about love, whether you got it, whether you don't. You know, I mean, those those are the songs that are really breaking through. And by love, I mean the passion of what you you are going through, your emotional turmoil, or you know, elation. It's all it's all these things that if you can pass off your emotions through lyrics and through just general tone that to me makes a dope rock song and, right. or, you know, any, any sort of song. I just think it, there's a, there's an amount of that that I could fake with a character um, to where it might not be something that I'm feeling or I'm going through or have been through, but I know what it feels like to, to, I don't know, try to express that as someone else just and seeing it, reading a story, taking a character from a book, you know, that's just always been fun to me. I grew up on Joy Division and Nick Cave and Tom Waits and the Misfits and all this, you know, right, all this right. goth and punk rock, but also like anything dark, you know, that, that darkness was always what I was into. So these storytellers, even, even some like Bob Dylan and the Beatles and, the way that they would just kind of write these cinematic songs and yeah, of course tongue in cheek, but it still it told the story that I, I wanted to get across or the ones that I love, you know, I go back to the old, the old stagger Lee situation of like, you know, telling a story about a guy who's just a badass who like, you know, does the most crass things in a bar and the fact that 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 story lives on as like you know different characters different people play it in different ways that's like that's such an interesting thing to me that's totally so I mean, that's that's what i always wanted to do um granted i i have written from like you know first person experiences but also you know i'm i'm writing lyrics for four or five other guys to to be passionate about you know and normally being selfish in that matter would would 
be like, I didn't write the song 100% myself, so. Do you bounce the lyrics off the other guys in the band before you do them? Like, because that's always a weird band dynamic that doesn't get talked about a lot. Like, because, you know, every band is different. Some bands, the the lyrics are written very early on, and, and the, the other band members want to know what the singer's going to do. Other times, it's like, they record all the music, like, polished, and then it's like, okay, do your thing, singer. Like, get in there and do whatever, and we don't really care. In fact, I've done a lot of records where the band hasn't even been there when I recorded my vocals. So, how does it work with you guys? Yeah, it's definitely the latter. I mean, it's definitely that Adam and I have such a formulaic relationship when it comes to music. Is I've never, ever once questioned the the way that he will phrase songs you know and and not that i don't think he not that he doesn't write to with vocals in mind and i'm sure he probably does it's we've never once had had an instance where we've bounced anything back and forth it literally is a now hand the baton off you know like like it's your turn um and and that being said i mean i'm sure that there are things that that possibly uh, people didn't like. I don't. It's never been brought to my attention. It's always been, dude, this is sick. But you know, we have a symbiotic relationship in that way, where I think we all feel what this is like, you know. And for me, when working with Adam and stuff, we'll, we'll we explain things and and uh, just depictive words you know like i mean i won't say like go up make it a minor whatever there it'll be like kind of like the river when it's foggy out (laughs) like you know it's it's not as it's not as close to the bank of the cape fear you know or like you know it's this one sounds like it sounds more like that monster from looney tunes running through the walls you know gossamer running through the walls (laughs) but those are things that we will that he he can pick up on. I mean, he listen. I have one of the best guitar players on the planet, in my personal opinion. I've never, you know, like never questioned it. He is such a prodigy and and such so ahead of his time when it comes to to like metal guitar. He is the best, in my opinion. So I mean, I awesome. and I, I'm every time we lay something down i'm just like so excited to hear how what is going to come well that's to. very cool that you guys have so much trust in each other you know and i'm sure if i talked to him he would say the same about you um so that's that's an amazing relationship you guys have had for 15 years or more and yeah man and, and sky's the limit man um so what's going on next with uh with the band uh i know you can't talk about it but uh, i assume more music more records more touring uh yes, what can your fans expect about- I mean, we'd love to to be bouncing around the globe, uh, you know, in the next. I'd I'd like to get around at least once before the end of the year, but I I think a lot of touring's coming up, um, and you know we're just we're just kind of um, we're in the dugout right now, you know, having a little little we're in the locker room. So okay, okay. You know what I mean? So, so yeah, um, gonna get on the on deck circle and swing the yeah, bat a yeah, little bit, kinda, and then yeah, yeah. before you get yeah, to the plate, I, I, I'm I'm down with the baseball analogies, dude. I like oh this. yeah, okay, I like this. Okay. Yes, yeah, yeah. So I mean, we're we're in a we're we're getting we're warming up. You know, we're like a couple people are out in the field throwing a ball back and forth. You know, nothing's, <laughs> 
People still have time to go get a hot dog. So. <laughs> but you're from North Carolina. It should be a basketball uh, analogy, shouldn't it? I, it should be. I went to Michael Jordan's high school. But to be honest with you, I don't follow any sports at all. I have no idea. I just I pick up shifts at a bar. Um, right. Oh, it's always on. I guess. Bar. Yep. And uh, every you know, there's all these all these TVs in this bar, and it's I, I work like one day a week there. It's really it's a chill time. It's daytime, you know. So I get golfers coming in wanting me to put it on, and I just like. I always just fake it really well with them. Just like, yeah, man, football. Awesome. No, that's, this is golf. <laughs> well, that's yeah. all good, man. Well, well, dude, uh, thanks. I look forward to everything you guys have coming up, and it really is nice to catch up uh, after all these years. I hope we run into each other who knows where, but I'm sure it'll happen. Yeah, yeah, hopefully. Um, I'm sure I'm sure we'll we'll end up in the same spot sooner or later. Yeah, man. And, yeah, and sorry about long, all it's the been a long time coming, man. It's good to talk to you. You too, man. And sorry about all the uh rescheduling and everything that's happened over the no, last no while. But it's really no is great to catch up, man. Yeah, definitely, Shane. Thank you so much. Man. Yeah. Take care, Skylar. All the best, man. You too. Bye bye. All right, yep, see you. So there it is with Skylar. Eye opening stuff, an amazing career, an amazing comeback, and a guy that's still so humble and a band that I think is making by far the best music of their career. I want to thank Skylar so much for taking the time and doing this. And I want to thank you so much for listening to this thing. Make sure you're subscribed. If you like the show, please write a review on iTunes, preferably five stars. And if you don't like the show, well, let's just keep it our little secret. As always, I will leave you with a tune. I did an old banger in the beginning. How about a new banger now? Here is... The latest song, the latest single from He Is Legend, and a good one. Here is Sand on Lead Singer Syndrome. Peace and love, and we'll see you next week.